welcome back to the Brockless podcast. We've been away during the international break, but we are back and back quite emphatically after an emphatic performance from Borough. Nathan, I mean, I, I guess you'll be pretty good now, but firstly, how boring was the international break? Yeah, terrific, isn't it? The um, the international breaks are boring at the best of times, but just friendlies um, for England over the two weeks, which just wasn't great at all. Everyone wants the championship running. Um, it's the business end of the season and the boy were heavily involved in it. So buzzing to be back, buzzing to be at Peterborough at the weekend, buzzing with full time, just over the moon at the minute. Yeah, um, it's, it's, as you say, it's it's the business end of the season, both for Borat and for me. I'm going to get it out of the way now because I want to shamelessly plug it. You may have seen on social media, I'm currently doing my final project, the School of Borough. Please be generous and help me pass university <laughs> or at least get half a decent grade. Make sure I go and follow the School of Borough on Twitter. We're on TikTok as well, if you can be bothered, go and find that. But, you know, Twitter's the main one. Check out some of the articles, We've got some exciting stuff over the next week. Now that's out the way, Nathan, what we want to talk about Saturday's game. Um, do you know what? It feels so long since we've actually had a game that you, you sort of forget that our last game before the international break was Chelsea. Now, obviously, we've we done a podcast speaking about it, but it, it just feels so long ago now. Yeah, it's been two weeks, but it feels like much longer, doesn't it? Um, and of course, with it being in the FA Cup as well, it kind of was... <sighs> It was that free hit game, wasn't it? Everyone was thinking about Birmingham on the Tuesday night before it and getting a win there, the first away win of, of 2022. And yeah, uh, an away game at Peterborough, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be difficult. They came off the back of a fantastic result um, just before the international break, a 3-1 away win at QPR, which is a shock. I think it was fair to say when that one came up. Um, and it didn't make me going into this game feel any more confident than I was going in already. Um, I felt that this this game could just be a stumbling block, quite similar to Barnsley, really. Um, I felt that if we started slowing the game, then we could be in for a long afternoon, but it wasn't the case. But we'll get into the team lineups just before then. I think only one change, um, Taylor dropped out Bowler in there a bit more attacking down that left-hand side for Borough. But the main news really was Fry and McNair being OK uh, after the Chelsea game. Fry came off as a precaution in that game at half-time and McNair dropped out just after half-time after his foot was like a balloon, according to Chris Wilder. But those two being uh, OK, I think, is, is massive news for Borough going into this running. Yeah, as you say, you know, a massive positive for, for Middlesbrough and Chris Wilder, obviously getting that confirmation that we had both Fry and McNair available. But also, we should mention Riley McGree back in the match day squad after what seems like a, a number of games out after initially, you know, only really meaning to be out for, I think it was one or, you know, one or two games where Wilder initially said, yeah, he should be back for. And you know what? I lose track of, of what game it was, but it, it wasn't meant to be as, as long-term as what it was. And also, now we have uh, Martin Piero around about 10 days away from, from being back fit. I mean, as well as McNair and um, Fry for the squad, what a massive boost to have those two back in midfield as well. Yeah, it's huge um, getting numbers back into this squad. Everyone's going to play a part in this running. I, f I feel that that's the case. Um yeah, having, having all the bodies back and having a fully fit squad will certainly um, be good for Chris Wilder and give him a selection headache, even though the ones that are pulling on the shirt week in, week out at the minute, starting games, aren't really putting a foot wrong at all. Um, but I'm sure that on the training ground, those players that aren't quite making the starting eleven at the minute will be putting a shift in week in, week out to try and get back into that squad. Yeah, of course. Now, we've spoken about, you know, the, the return as from injury, of course, and, and mentioned the team lineups briefly. I think 
really we can now get into the action. And in fairness, you know, over the not so much over the course of the season, but particularly of away games of late prior to really Birmingham, we'd seen Borough struggle to make any real impact in away games, especially against sort of, you know, and I don't want to sound um, harsh here, but against almost um, lesser opposition, to be honest. Teams that you'd expect on paper, and, you know, football's not played on paper, it's played on grass, that, that Borough should really go and beat. Um, but we actually, I thought, started fairly brightly against Peterborough. Yeah, I think we did. Um, Peterborough didn't really come out at all uh, in the opening stages. It was pretty much all Borough. Borough were conducting possession, shifting it from left to right, looking to create openings. But yeah, Peterborough were just going to sit in there and try and limit Borough to minimal chances and try and hit Borough on the break, I felt. But there wasn't too many chances in the opening stages, really. Um just sort of half chances, a few few balls going across goal that may only need to tap in, but it was quite a game of limited chances early on up until Borough nearly get hit with a, a bit of a sucker punch. Um, yeah, Borough committing bodies forward, as we do, um, trying to create options in the final third of the pitch. Left us a bit, bit shy with defenders, and uh, the player, Peterborough played the ball down the line. I think it was Kent that played the ball down the line into Schmodick's Lumley flies out his goal pretty much near the halfway line. Um, wins the tackle with Schmodick's, but not convincingly at all. Uh, and as he's down on the floor, Marriott tries his effort from pretty much the halfway line, really, into an open net. Uh, but luckily... It doesn't have the pace on it, and McNair gets back to uh, to knock it behind for a corner. But certainly a, a bit of a let off for Borough in the early stages. Yeah, it was a, a little <laughs> bit of a theme throughout the game. Actually, Joel Lumley being eager to get off his line and, and sweep up danger. And you know, if if you're going to do that as a goalkeeper, you've got to be uh, confident and convincing. And, and those are probably two words that you couldn't really use to sum up Joel Lumley's performance at the. At the weekend, in, in in fairness, and we're not laying into them all too much, but I must say, it, it there was a few occasions where I was sort of you know covering my eyes as he as he ran from his box, and I, I thought, please just make sure you get there. And you know what we should say about the first time that it happened actually was, I think it was on Marriott's weak foot that he has the effort from the halfway line. I, I might be wrong, and in fairness, it's quite a good effort to be fair. Um, obviously, as you say, McNair gets back and, and manages to clear it. But it, at first, when it, when he initially struck it, I thought there's no way that's going to have enough power. It'll probably stop before it even gets to the goal. But, you know, if McNair doesn't get back, that's going in. And he, he does well to get back, in fairness. Yeah, it probably is going in, but probably 10 seconds after McNair clears it. Because it, it was sort of P-rolling towards the line. And even even though it is going on target in the away, I didn't really feel like we were in any danger of conceding it. Um, although it was a big chance uh, for Peterborough. But yeah, it was certainly a bit a bit of a wake-up call um, in the away end that Peterborough could be could be dangerous in the game. Um, I think they had a, the, the corner followed and you felt that if they were going to score, it would probably be from a set piece. They've got a few big players in that side. Clark Harris, um, one of those, um, and, a, and a few of the centre-halves as well, Frankie Kent. But, yeah, they were, they were very sort of sort of just not willing to attack early on Peterborough um, and pretty much left the, the, the way the game went up, up to Borough. To, to conduct the game really um, and Borough after, after that sort of half chance from Peterborough just got back into our rhythm looked to create a few more chances and try and get that opening goal which we did uh, 25 minutes on the clock win a, we win a foul in the final third Housen puts the free kick into the box and it's cleared only as far as McNair and to be fair what comes next is quite an outstanding finish really McNair lays it off and it falls to Tavernier who 
whips it into that far corner and it was exactly what we needed at the time. Um, 1-0 uh, puts that early pressure uh, to fruition, really making it count an important goal in the, at an important time and what a fantastic effort as well it was from Marcus Tavernier. Yeah, I mean, immediately <laughs> after the goal went in, you know, we've spoken about the importance of of Tav really, you know, adding to his goals and assists. And I think it's fair to say he's probably been one of, if not the standout player over the last couple of months under Chris Wilder. And it was only really, you know, a few more goals and assists probably missing from from really making him stand out in the whole division, to be honest. And, you know, of course, that grabs the attention, that goal. But I, immediately I saw on social media some some interesting characters, we'll put it that way, suggesting that it, it was a cross. Now, for me, I'm, I'm just not having that one bit. You can see from his body shape and his technique that that is, for me, clear as day that he, he's trying to execute exactly what he has ended up doing. And, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic finish. Um Something that I think for a while we've known he has in his locker and we'd love to see more of it. And, you know, delighted to see that go in the back of the net and probably just as delighted as what, what Tav was because, you know, that is the one major sort of sticking point is, is what people all, always bring up when discussing him. Um, so I'm pretty sure he, he'll shut a few people up when that flew into the back of the net. Yeah, 100%. He's been due a goal. Um, since his goal and assist at home against West Brom in February. He's been due a goal since then, and it was a fantastic effort. For those that say that's a cross, what are you watching, really? He's he's blatantly tried to put that into the far corner, um, as he has done, executed it brilliantly. And, yeah, he's he, he's always been... A player that's divided opinion, divided mine and your opinions at times, Chris. Um, but he's certainly silencing a few doubters. Um, over the last few months, he's been arguably Boris' standout player. I think we're going to get onto it a bit later on in the podcast. But yeah, he's been brilliant since Chris Wilder's came in at this football club in that new role, just just to the left hand side of midfield. Brilliant. Um, brilliant effort and exactly what we needed at that time of the game. Yeah, so obviously before I take the lead, and from then on actually, there was almost a, you know, a change in the balance of the game where as soon as we got that first, I almost felt uh, you know, not to say that it sounds daft me saying this as a fan, you know, took my foot off the, off the gas as if I was, you know, have any impact on the game, which I clearly don't. But I almost felt, you know, I, I can't really see these scoring one, let alone two, and, and changing the complete dynamic of the game. Now, you might have felt different, obviously. I always, I've mentioned it before, I always feel, you know, when you're watching a game from home, you do get a slightly different feeling from if you're actually attending the game in person. And, and to be honest, as soon as we got that opener, I was, I was fairly confident we'd go on and, and get the job done. And as I say... Not long after taking the lead, um, Conley, who I thought really is starting to show why he's been consistently in the team. Now, I'm not saying that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but he's certainly showing signs of improvement. He bursts down the right and somehow finds some pace. I don't even think he knew he had. Burst uh, past his defender and slides one across the box. I think it's cleared and actually the defender does well to turn it away from Tav, who I think is lurking on the edge of the box again. But some great work by Conley and, and just showing that real burst of pace that I think everyone probably thought he had before he'd actually signed for Middlesbrough. Yeah, I, I thought Conley was outstanding on Saturday. Um, he's been a player that's divided opinion since coming to the football club. Everyone sort of has that immediate hope when a forward signs for your football club where you think that they're going to get off to that perfect start and go on a fantastic run of goal scoring form as soon as they sign for the football club but it hasn't been the case with Aaron Connolly um, and he's sort of just had to find his feet at this level um, never played at the level before before going to Middlesbrough 
and hadn't played regular regular football for Brighton before coming here either. So he's had those first few months uh, to sort of find his feet, get back into a rhythm of playing regular football. And yeah, I think he's going to be a big player for us from now until the end of the season. And yeah, I thought he was fantastic on Saturday, particularly in that first half, just constant energy, looking to press, looking to force mistakes. And he nearly did so um, just after Boris' first goal, uh, chasing down Frankie Kent, um, who he forces into a mistake as it happens. Uh, Kent tries to head it back to Cornell in Peterborough's goal, but Connolly's alert to that, wins it, flicks it away from Cornell and Balligan strikes it pretty much at an open goal, but it's cleared off the line. And yeah, another big chance. Um, looking at sort of the expected goals metric for the full division this weekend, Borough weren't quite, weren't that high really uh, for expected goals. I think we were 1.9 1, 1. throughout the full game, but with shots being cleared off the line, and things like that, I just think the yeah, next that's sort of flawed. Yeah, I, I do think that's slightly strange hearing that yeah. stat. I hadn't heard that before now, obviously, as you mentioned it. And, you know, from watching the game, you know, you score four goals, you have a number of chances in fairness. I don't know how it can possibly be that low, but, I mean, that just goes to show that stats can be a little bit misleading at times. Yeah, it does. And following that sort of cleared... Uh, effort from Balogun or just continued on the front foot for, for pretty much the rest of the half really um, as soon as that ball was cleared from the Peterborough defender off the line or regained possession started knocking the ball from left to right again looking to create openings and nearly got that second goal um, Balogun flicked the ball past Joel Ward a right wing back for Peterborough down the side of him and Baller squared it. Connolly just behind the ball. Uh, just the ball's just too far for him. Another another chance carved out of out of just fantastic play from Borough, really. And then, as you say, down the right hand side, Connolly burst bursting past defenders down that right hand side and squaring balls across the face of goal again. Again, just loads of chances that have been created, big chances at that as well. Just that final ball, um, letting Borough down a little bit. The game could have been dead and buried by half-time, really. Could have been three or four. But it wasn't to be. We go in half-time, 1-0. And really, from then on, I think the overall feeling from fans was get one more and the game's, the game's done, really. Yeah. Yeah, as you say, you know, I think... We mentioned it already, but there is often a, a different feeling from from watching a game, you know, on a TV or laptop compared to being in that away end or, or being uh, in the home end, you know, depending on on where that game is. And for me, as you say, as soon as you know, I felt that I I, I could, you know, say as soon as I as we got that second, I thought it'd be over. But in fairness, like I've, I've already said, I just. I don't know if it was if it was Peterborough's style of play. Um, it almost reminded me a little bit of, of Birmingham in that I, I don't really know what type of team Peterborough are, and I, I don't want to be too harsh because you know they've they've proven that they can get results against bigger teams, um, and you know they, they've put themselves with a, a chance and a very slim chance that they, they may stay in the division. But yeah, I just I didn't really see what Peterborough were trying to do. I know they've had a change of manager, um, but even at, at one nil, and quite you know weird for me to feel like that because I always say I'm I'm very much a pessimist when it comes to watching Middlesbrough, and, and so I think everyone should be to be honest. Um, but yeah, as you say, if it wasn't already confidence at one nil up, it, it certainly turned to confidence at two nil up from from my perspective. And the second goal came quite quickly into the second half, really. Some excellent work by Johnny Owson, rolling back the airs and, and, and striding through midfield. And actually, Aaron Connolly does well to peel off away from his defender and, and create a, a chance for Housen to loft the ball into the box and, and pick him out. 
and the initial pass, I'm not sure whether there's, there's too much on it. Um, I don't think it's a bad pass in fairness. Connolly just can't quite reach it. And through a mix of poor defending and, and, and good movement from Connolly and Balligan, Balligan arrives at the back stick, fires it in. And that makes it uh, three goals in his previous three games, of course, with his exploits away with England um, over the international break. And we're now seeing uh, Flo Balligan hit some some real good form at a, a really good time for Middlesbrough. Yeah, he's been in the press over the last few weeks saying how how big this loan move's been for his career, really, and how much he's learned already. And again, quite similar to Connolly, people sort of expected him to just walk into championship football and set the world alight, but that's just not going to be the case, really. Um, Balligan's only a young lad, never played sort of senior football before. Uh, and he's, he's come up north to Middlesbrough. Um, and try to find his feet. And in the last few weeks, he's done just that. He's sort of just gone on a fantastic run of form, really, in front of goal, um, starting with that that goal at Sheffield United, then Birmingham. Scored in both games over the international break for England, under-21s, and now scored at Peterborough. So we'll be hoping that he bags one at the Riverside this week. Um, but, yeah... Poor defending, really, for that goal. I think that's some Peter Brook, really. Um, I think it was Fernandez making his debut for Peter Brook at centre half. Just gets caught, doesn't know where he is, doesn't know where his man is. And Balligan's there, unmarked at the back stick, just to slot home, really. And from then on, it really was game, set and match, really. Uh, Borough could have just done whatever they liked. Um, pretty much did really uh, knock the ball around quite well just confident in possession switching it from left and right um, just professional I think I think's the word to describe the performance um, professional um, didn't start slowly just played our game didn't worry about Peterborough just did our thing, got our goals, sat in, did what we had to do. And yeah, dumped, uh, added a few more to the tally uh, with with some substitutions as well. Um, the forwards taken off, uh, Balligan and Connolly taken off for Watmore and Corburn. And the pair of them get on the score sheet as well. Watmore for, num- for number three, absolutely brilliant down that left-hand side. Uh, baller flicks the head on and Watmore just drives down that left-hand side with his pace, squares the ball, uh, albeit with a little bit of deflection off Cornell and sort of the goal for the third would have been a goal that I'd have taken if Borough were to win at Peterborough, the scrappy 1-0 just off any body part it it doesn't matter how it goes in at all. Corburn sort of just flicks his thigh at it. And yeah, 3-0. Again, brilliant for Corburn. Um, coming off the bench and just offering us something a bit different up front. Uh, he can he, he can run a man down the line, but he can also be that sort of target man as well. And with Watmore uh, running off him, it offers us something different. Uh, those two as a partnership is fantastic. And his record in front of goal at the minute in the league, Josh Colburn has been fantastic. Yeah, and just leading us uh, quite nicely, sort of tying in with the... We usually do listener questions as a sort of separate thing, but actually um, Mike got in touch with some stats around Josh Colburn, which uh, I thought we, we, had to, we had to read out on the podcast. So... Josh Cole, uh, Josh, I nearly called him Josh Goldburn there. I think you can call <laughs> it. Uh, Josh Coburn in a Middlesbrough shirt. Uh, 56% goal conversion, 89% goal accuracy, 92 minutes per goal, goals per 90, 0.98. How impressive are these stats? Ask Mike. I mean, it, it almost does seem now that whenever Josh Coburn is on the pitch for Middlesbrough, he does score. And it is becoming 
you know, at first it was sort of because the the appearances at first were a little bit spread out and more sporadic. <laughs> you know, he scored at the back end of of Neil Warnock's time in charge, and and then had those two games earlier this season, West Brom and Luton, where he scored back to back. Um, but actually now, I think especially since the goal against Spurs, people have sort of sat back and thought, well, actually should this boy sort of be starting? Does he does he actually deserve to be in the team already? And to be honest, I think there's certainly an argument there. You know, Flo Balligan and, and Conley are starting to mould a great partnership and, and showing signs that they can definitely work together moving forward. But when you've got a striker who is as clinical and is making as much of an impact as he is when he's coming off the bench, you do, you do have to look at it and think, well, is this someone that we just have to sort of unleash and let the whole championship know about him? Yeah, he's certainly making a case for himself. And it's just fantastic to see as a whole, really. Um, we have options up front now. Um, okay, four of them are on fire at the minute and Spira hasn't really been getting the game time as of late. But with four all sort of making an impact in their appearances, or as of late, it, it certainly makes it interesting for, for Chris Wilder to, to pick which which partnership he ever he wants to pick um, over the next few games. You look at Connolly and Balligan, as you say, forming a bit of a bit of a partnership with each other up front. Connolly's pressing fantastic. Balligan's link-up play um, was was very good on on Saturday as well, and of course, is is running front of goal at the minute is very good. You look at Watmore, always just fantastic off the bench with his energy, he's unbelievable. And Corburn's goal records outstanding, nearly averaging goal every appearance is something special really at the minute. But yeah, we certainly have. A lot of fantastic options up front and everyone's making a case for themselves, which is exactly what Chris Wilder will want. Yeah, as you say, something that you, you touched on briefly there that a few people may want to want us to discuss, and I've seen a few people mention it on social media. What position now in the pecking order does Andres Barar find himself? Because after missing a few games through illness and, you know, without sign, sounding too cruel on him, some probably below par performances before he missed a handful of games. I think the again is an argument to make that actually he could potentially be Chris Wilder's fifth choice striker at the moment. Well, I think that's probably the case at this moment in time. Um he had the option to well, Wilder had looked at his bench on Saturday and he's seen the forwards that are there and he's opted for Corburn and Watmore. So I think that sort of speaks for itself really doesn't it um in the game at Bramall Lane earlier on um in the season Spira was below par it was a poor performance he had that chance from pretty much six yards out that he blazed over the bar that would have got Bora back into the game and from then on he missed missed out on the squad against Millwall, I think, did he miss out against Millwall with illness? I think he did. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. yeah, and against Birmingham as well and against Chelsea and then, of course, went on national duty. So, yeah, I do think he, he finds himself lower in the pecking order now than when he, when he, uh, when Chris Wilder first came at the club. But, that certainly doesn't rule him out of, of getting back back in there. He is on the bench. When called upon, he's just got to make sure that he's ready and makes an impact off the bench when he comes in. Um, but, yeah, five centre-forwards there. Four of them on in incredible uh, form at the minute, really. Um, all of them making good impacts in this Middlesbrough side. It's... It's going to cause a selection headache for Chris Wilder, I think. And I think that's a good thing, really. Yeah, of course. Um, I think 
you know, looking at the forwards and looking at their impacts, I think it it's difficult to say, you know, who should and will start every game because, as you say, you know, you, you look at Colburn and still at the moment, I get the feeling that Chris Wilder's holding him back a little, not holding him back in terms of, you know, stopping him developing, but all, almost, you know, just keeping him waiting and, and preferring to use him as a substitute to make an impact. Um, I think he, he places more trust in, in Connolly and, and Balligan as a two. And then, you know, we haven't really mentioned Duncan Watmore yet and, and we'll talk about him now. Of course, he, he adds the, the fourth goal, but, you know, Duncan Watmore must almost be looking now at, at some of the games and thinking, well, I don't really know what, what more I have and excuse me, <laughs> what more I have to do because he comes off the bench um, against Peterborough, gets a goal and assist. He comes off the bench against Luton, gets a goal. Um, and to be honest, I always prefer when we have Duncan Watmore on the pitch. I think he makes a great impact as a sub, but I think his work rate is is second to none, and probably through per, uh, personal preference, I'd, I'd maybe opt for him over Conley at times. I know that might not be too popular of an opinion at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's it just goes to show, you know, as you say, I think you used the word incredible. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if some would agree with uh, all our forwards being in incredible form, but certainly they are starting to show real promising, promising performances and signs. And as we, as we talk about that, I think that leads us nicely onto that fourth goal. I mean, Duncan Watmore, you've called him the ginger Janino in the notes. I think you could pick any top footballer over the last sort of decade and, and stick ginger on the front of it and it would suit that. <laughs> he turned into the ginger messy, didn't he really? He did. Um, fantastic. Just pressing uh, from the full full team really. Not letting Peter Brav a minute on the ball. Uh, and yeah, forcing mistakes. Crooks in midfield, pressing Fuchs and yeah, he takes a poor touch into Watmore pretty much. Watmore wins it and just puts the afterburners on. Um, takes a fantastic touch in front of Frankie Kent, rules him out of the game, rules him out of making any sort of tackle and more, more surprisingly fires it right in the top corner Unbelievable finish. Caught me completely by surprise uh, in the away end on Saturday. Just thought that he'd probably stop and try and square it, but what a finish. Unbelievable. Um, and Boris scored four away from home, which I think is probably the most shocking thing of the full weekend, really. Um, yeah, OK, we scored four in the lockdown at Birmingham. Um away from home, but the last time we won by a four-goal margin was Millwall away in 2015, which is a long time ago and you don't quite realise, but seven years ago is unbelievable uh, since Karanka. I can't believe that it's seven years since Karanka ball, really, but yeah. Um, fantastic finish by Watmore. And it just was fantastic to be in that away end on Saturday with the atmosphere, with the numbers that were there. Just tremendous support. But we've been, over the last few years, been on the, on the wrong side of games where Borough have played at home and away teams have come to the Riverside, had a fantastic day out and just the home home supporters just emptied really it one that sticks out was getting beat uh 4-1 at home by Sheffield Wednesday under was it Woodgate that yeah Levine Woodgate at the start yeah. of it. um we're 4-4 four, 4-1 four, four down at half time and it was like a party in that away end and it was nice to be involved in our own little party on on Saturday um yeah, just one of them days where everything went right, I think. Um, we took our chances. Not all of them, may I add. It could have been probably six, seven, eight. 
got to that magical five. Yeah. Now, that, is, that is a stat that I'd like to know. I can't even remember the last time we scored five, and especially away from home. Millwall, it'll have been five. Five, yeah, one. A five-goal deficit, I should say, if we want yeah. to be about things. Probably never. <laughs> it just yeah, doesn't feel know. like doesn't feel like a stat that Borough have ever achieved that. Um five. <sighs> there might be a really obvious one sticking out, but I mean it, surely we would know. Yeah, we, any, we was. It stand out. Semi recently. Um anytime Middlesbrough score above three goals, you sort of feel like it's an out-of-body experience. <laughs> um and I certainly can't remember us doing that anytime. But uh, just touching on the, the atmosphere there, I know you obviously were in the away end and I've seen a lot of actually Peterborough fans, which is quite odd seeing home fans, you know, applaud and and say nice things about Middlesbrough when they travel away and, and Peterborough fans were full of praise for that away end. I mean, I know you said it was almost like a party atmosphere. Um and I, and I saw, obviously, of course, that, that Red Faction were heavily involved in the away end on Saturday. I mean, it, it really did it really did look like a, a sensational atmosphere in that away end. Yeah, it was. It helped that Borough fans were around the other side of the ground as well. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was strange. Going into the game, I felt like... It could have been a stumbling block, as I said earlier on in the podcast. Um, Peterborough coming off the back of a good result. And Borough's away form has been shaky. Yeah, OK, we, we won our last away game at Birmingham. But going into this game, Peterborough do have things to play for still. Obviously fighting for the lives down the bottom of the division. And everything really looked like Going in this game with the fixtures that other teams around us had, it felt like if Borough win, it put us in a good position. Um, and it was a must win because of Peterborough being down there and being a, a very beatable opposition. Um, I just didn't think it was going to be quite as clear cut and as easy as it appears on the score sheet, really. But Credit to the team. This they came out the blocks well. Um, they didn't let that sort of lethargic energy that teams can have coming back after an international break affect them. They were in it from the off and got the job done. That that's all that matters, really. It could have been a scrappy one-nil with a goal off someone's backside, and that that would have done for me. But four-nil professional is is the word I think I think that stands out for me. Yeah, to me, you know, you mentioned the international break and to me, actually, in, in, in part of the Chelsea game, I, I know in the end it was just really Chelsea's class that, that won them the game, but there were spells towards the end of the that FA Cup tie where I thought, you know, this team looks tired. The, the break can't come soon enough for them. And that's not a criticism, you know, they, they played however many games it was pretty much since, well, it will have been before Christmas since the, the last international break. And, you know, they've managed to to prolong a, a seriously good run of form as, as well as putting in some really massive performances. You know, you think of Man United away and Spurs as well. And for me, what I would look at Saturday as is a team that is fully re-energised, had the break that they deserved. You know, we had a little laugh and a joke at the fact that I think it was Tav and may have been Isaiah Jones went away and, and met up with Uche in, in some uh, hot tropical environment, probably Dubai. No one it was, yeah, Dubai. Yeah. And uh, just had a few days probably to themselves. I'm sure Chris Wilder knew how much effort they've put in since Christmas and, and the work that, and uh, the effect that also the, these games have probably had on their bodies sort of, to get away for a few days for a lot of them, I'm sure. And and then, you know, of course, back into training, but also, you know, working in a way where they had a little bit of time to sort of take the foot off the gas a little bit and, and relax was everything that this team needed. And that performance showed exactly that for me because they didn't really stop, you know, 
when we went two up, I think we both said, you know, that was game over for both of us, but it didn't stop there. You know, they kept on going. They wanted more goals. And in the end now, you look at our goal difference and it, it, it's massively helped, especially at the business end of the season, to go and score four goals. I mean, it, it really does massively, massively help out our goal difference because we're not really a a massive um, goal scoring team in, in terms of numbers that we put past people. You know, you look at a, a Forest or a, you know, certainly a Fulham and think that there's games where they will put three and four past teams and, and that's just sort of to be expected, but it's not to be expected from us. But uh, we certainly proved a, a few people wrong at the weekend, stuck four past pre, uh, Peter Bryan. It was a, a fantastic away day, Nathan. Yeah, it was just the perfect away day, I think. Um, coming back after the international break, it can be difficult, but the lads got the job done. Um, played relatively well. I don't think that we were at our best, but we played really well in short spells. Um, but the signs are there, um, and it's, it's certainly promising going in the last eight games of the season, um, the way I'm looking at it really from a fan's perspective is one cup final out of the way. Um, eight games to go, eight cup finals to go and the games just keep coming thick and fast with the game on Wednesday evening. Yeah, of course. And, and just before we move on to that game on Wednesday evening, I know uh, <coughs> there was plenty to pick from, but if, if I was to pick on you and say, Nathan, give me one standout performance, I know there was a few. Um, what, what what was your individual that, that really sort of stood out to you and you know it, it could be it could be Aaron Connolly of course he didn't score but he made a good impact it could be Tav for scoring that worldy but who would you pick out from that performance away at Peter Brother that you were really pleased with? Um, well I think first of all there is a lot of them that you could pick out um, but one that stood out in particular particularly in that first half as well was Dyke Steele um, just offers so much both defensively and offensively as well um, with his with his link up play with Crooksy and Jones down that right hand side striding into midfield at times with the ball looking to create get Boyer on the front foot you can you can tell when he's not in the side and I think that's the sign of a good player um when they're not when they're not in the side you notice it and he's one of them players uh, we saw it at Sheffield was it at Sheffield United yeah at Sheffield United and Millwall when he wasn't in the side and we looked completely different to what we do with him in the side and yeah I'd say he was up there with man of the match Johnny Housen again just doing Johnny House and things really in the middle of the park, just calm and composed, picking up loose passes, knocking the ball from side to side, switching the play, keeping things ticking over. Thought he was outstanding. Tavernier stands out. He's been arguably our best player under Chris Wilder so far. I'd put, I'd go out on a limb and say that he has been our best player since Chris Wilder came at the football club. Maybe that's because of his improvement in a new role, but his performances have been absolutely outstanding. Um, his deliveries were particularly good from set players on Saturday as well. Connolly, I thought, was brilliant. Um, I thought I'll have a look at his sort of body language as he was leaving the pitch on Saturday, and he looked rather disappointed with himself, throwing his coat down. Um, uh, when he was substituted and he, he he headed down the tunnel, but he did come back out after. And he, he's probably just gutted that he didn't get that goal and felt that it was a massive opportunity from, to get that goal on Saturday afternoon because his performance, I thought, was brilliant. At times, he tries to do too much and he'll put too much weight on a pass. But I felt as though he's starting to get the hang of things, playing with his back to goal at times. Um, getting the ball under 
and spinning his man, linking play well. His pressing and his work rates, second to none, really. Forcing mistakes, outstanding. But, yeah, there was a lot of standouts on Saturday in that. I think that's... That's that can only be a good thing, really. It it was a fantastic performance where not many um put a foot wrong, I don't think. I thought all were solid seven, eight out of ten, really. Yeah, I was gonna say that, you know, I only asked you for one, but I think it was a pretty difficult question <laughs> how well we played. <laughs> for me, it in terms of one standout, you know, you know pretty much the full team there and there's nothing wrong with that because they were all excellent possibly with an, uh, the exception of, of Joe Lumley who did scare me a few times but yeah. <laughs> um, I thought Mark Bowler coming into the team made a, a massive impact in terms of that that buzzword again balance on both uh, on both sides you know it was at first early on this season the balance of the midfield but actually I think what become evident probably around about the time where Isaiah Jones was really, really, you know, bursting onto the scene as a, as a wing-back, getting all those assists, it become quite apparent that we're a little bit one-dimensional down the right. And I think we've always sort of known, even since he was injured, that in a formation that asks wing-backs to really get forward and, and, and be attacking threats, that Mark Baller's skill set and ability probably suits that position more than perhaps Neil Taylor does and you know I say it all the time it's not a dig at Neil Taylor because he, he's been very much solid since he's uh, deputised for Bowler but certainly I think it was apparent uh, in that game at the weekend where Bowler a few times managed to get past his man whip a cross in or try and cut the ball back and having that and a way to, you know, if the ball does go out to the left-hand side, you'd feel confident that Bowler has the ability to maybe show a bit of trickery and get past the full-back or, or cut the ball back and, and then make another run. Whereas Taylor, I feel like, you know, I, I think it's been covered so far throughout various podcasts that it's just not in his nature to go and burst past a full-back. Um, but yeah, Bola for me stood out in terms of that balance of the full team. So he's someone that I was, I was very happy to see back in the fold and, and see back starting because, of course, he, he come back into the team at Sheffield United away and, and probably didn't have his best performance in a Borough shirt. But, you know, if you look at that two weeks again for the international break, it's probably given him a chance to really get fully back up to scratch. Um, perhaps when he, he wasn't just before the international break. Yeah, um, I would say, I'd just say lastly as well, his, his, his play down that left-hand side and link up with Balogun and Tavernier was outstanding. Um, them three looking to just play some nice passes in between each other and make runs in behind Peterborough's uh, right-hand side on Saturday. But hopefully that'll be a regular feature of, of games to come as well, um, with those three looking to form a bit of a partnership down that left, like we do down the right-hand side with with Dyke, Steele, Jones and Crooks. Yeah, of course. Um, so we, we briefly spoke about it, moving on to the game on Wednesday night. I've seen some people already calling this a free hit. I couldn't disagree more if I possibly tried. Of course, it is Fulham coming at the Riverside, top of the table. I think, you know, of course, everyone knows the quality of Fulham and knows that they will go on and win the league this season. But to suggest, you know, it's a free hit, almost like, you know, the Chelsea of under Jose Mourinho or sort of Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team is a little bit ludicrous, to be honest. Um I think, you know, everyone looks at the, the threat of Mitrovic and he scored a gazillion goals in about 30 games already this season. And, of course, Harry Wilson, Niskins, Cabano, the, the list goes on, doesn't it, really? But in terms of, of Wednesday night, and I am not going to curse myself by saying it, that, you know, I think we can go and beat them. I'm not going to let those words come out of my mouth, but 
I, I don't think it's a game where we should almost think, oh God, we, we should sit back a little bit because I think Fulham have shown throughout the season that they are beatable and you can get at them actually. Yeah, why would you feel any other way really other than confident? We've just come off the back of a fantastic win away at Peterborough at the weekend. Um, I mean, we played Fulham earlier on in the season and while they didn't, they weren't clicked into gear like they have done uh, as the season's gone on. They hadn't quite yet. Um, Borough were able to go to Craven Cottage and snatch a point. Um, played really well in that second half. Could have nicked it late on. Um, the emergence of Jones in that game sort of settles up for the season, but caused Fulham on the day many a problem. Uh, Jones playing off the left on that particular day, but he'll certainly be uh, looking to get it, whether it be Anthony Robinson or Joe Bryan, be looking to get it then that way. Um, they're a bit different in the way that they're set up to quite a lot of the division, a lot of the division ops for a three slash five at the back now, but Fulham are very much Aitor Karanka-esque, uh, 4-2-3-1, two defensive midfielders and their forward four all sort of move off each other. Well, I'd say, I'd say three move off Mitrovic, really. Um, but you look at those players, there are a lot of them that are very creative. Cabano, we know about his sort of exploits when he was at Middlesbrough last season. Um, Fabio Carvalho, um, I mean, that's a tongue-twisting name in it, but uh, 19 years old, linked with Liverpool, um, looked to sign for them in January, but it fell through at the last minute. And as you've mentioned there, Harry Wilson, who's hit double figures for goals and assists um, so far this season, which is no mean feat, really. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's a game... It's Borough's game in hand on the rest of the division. Uh, we should have played this game in February when we were at Old Trafford beating Man United instead. Um, but, um, yeah, well, why should we fear Fulham? Um, they're, they're a championship side. Um, every every season that they've been in the Premier League, I don't want to don't throw this out there like awfully uh, and speak ill of them. But every season that they've been in the Premier League over the last few years, they've proven that they're not worthy of being there. They're in that sort of bracket that Norwich have been in over recent years of bet, uh, good enough um, for the Championship 100%, but not quite good enough for the Premier League. And, yeah, we, it's, it's a game where Borough should have no fear, really. We're the home side. We're looking to go nine home league games winning on the spin which is quite remarkable really that this is still going um since the start of december but yeah why should why should we fear them yeah you know as you say they, they've got an uh, abundance of of tacking players that are very dangerous and you know top level players in this division and, and certainly some individuals that are, I have no doubts could sign for Premier League clubs and, and do just as much damage in the Premier League. Um, I think in terms of you know scary narratives that we usually mention, it's not so much one of those you know journeyman strikers in, in the divisions of the championship, you know, the, the likes of Earnshaw and, and Waghorn and those types. It's more the fact that a player that we very publicly chased almost all summer for various points thought that we were actually going to sign him and never did. Rodrigo Munas, of course, I'm, I'm talking about, will probably be involved. I mean, that scares me a little bit, I can't lie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite funny. Um it'd be one script that could be written from the game, but the main man's Mitrovic, isn't it? Um hopefully we keep him quiet. Don't want to throw it out there, but I'm going to anyway. So if 
I jinx it, then I'm sorry. Be but, careful what you say here, Nathan, because I'm already sort of recoiling behind my chair about what you're about <laughs> to say. I'm really nervous about this. Despite his numbers at championship level, everyone knows that he's the golden boot winner over, well, the last time Fulham were in the division and he's 100 million percent going to be the golden boot winner this season as well with 37 goals in 36 games, which is remarkable. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I don't think Alexander Mitrovic has ever scored against Middlesbrough. Well, I mean, that is quite possibly one of the worst things that you could have ever said whilst we're doing this podcast. <laughs> and, and to be honest, Nathan, I'm actually lost some words that you would say something like this. <laughs> you type of curses that exist when recording. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually lost some words that you've said that. I mean, he's guaranteed. For those that like gambling, get you get all your money, get your mortgage, get your house, <laughs> get the money on Mitrovic scoring. Now he said that. Um, yeah, that. If I wasn't already worried, that has scared me an awful lot more. So thanks for that, Nathan. I wouldn't worry too much about it. I think it's one of them things, isn't it? He's 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 of course one of the best forwards in the division over recent years. Um, more often than not, he's expected to score. I think if pretty much every weekend in the championship, if you wanted to have a look at his odds on scoring against any opponent in the division, it'd be minimal returns for any sort of money that you'd put on him to score because he he just he scores goals in this division. That's just what he does. Um but I just, just thought I'd throw that stat out there. In fact, one one thing that stands out for me is he missed an absolute sitter at the Riverside a few years ago with his head about six yards out, blazed it over the bar. Not talking, please. <laughs> I think one thing that is, you know, as much as you've just gone on about those stats that won't be repeated by me, Mitrovic did nearly sign for Middlesbrough. It just goes to sort of show everything that Middlesbrough about during those sort of years of, of Pulis, Woodgate and, and Monk, where you look at some of the players we had, and I don't want to get drawn off into a tangent, but I mean, Jack Harrison fans them in for Leeds most weeks. Alexander Mitrovic was, you know, reportedly sort of on his way to sign for Middlesbrough before Yukanovic rang him and asked him to go to Fulham. I mean, uh, the rest of our squad, Bamford, Traore, it's, it's a whole different podcast to talk about, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> but of course, Mitrovic did nearly sign for Middlesbrough a couple of years ago, so that just scares me even more. And thanks to your stats, I don't think I'll be sleeping for the next two nights or night or whenever the game, well, of course it's on Wednesday, but you know, with with uni deadlines, I'm a bit scrambled as it is. So Nathan, you've ruined my sleep pattern even more now. Thinking well, about what to do I think this is a big test to see if the Baropolis podcast curse is well and truly alive and kicking. Because if this comes up and it does happen, and I've jinxed it well and truly, then. I suppose we just never mention opposition players from now until the end of the season then. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's the way we'll have to go. As as we've said a few times, you know, we we sort of preview the games and <coughs> talk about a few players to almost build it up a little bit. Um, and for those that might not know opposition players, make it apparent who the, the real danger men are. I don't think anyone watching won't be aware of Mitrovic, but... Uh, you know, they'll certainly be aware if Mitrovic scores about the fact that he's now scored his first goal against Middlesbrough. So thanks for bringing that one up again, Nathan. And to be honest, now that that has, has been previewed, of course, we've spoken about an emphatic win on Saturday. Unless there's there's anything else that you want to mention or try and curse us for the rest of the season with, Nathan, um, I think that's just about us done, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's been an interesting one. Uh, after the international break, 
it's always strange coming back and doing a podcast um, two weeks off. But yeah, what a performance to come back on. Um, four goals away from home for the longest time with fans, I suppose, if you want to put that cap on it. But yeah, things are looking slightly rosy. Borough fifth in the division at this current time of recording. Um, a few results went in our favour at the weekend. Um, and a lot of sides around us are playing each other this week as well. So we'll just have to wait and see where things go. But we'll refresh and have a look what the league table looks like uh, after Wednesday evening. We certainly will, Nathan. Well, from me and Nathan, that is it for this week. Of course, we'll be back next week um, with a review of course of the the Fulham game and also previewing Hull I believe it's after Fulham I want to say I might be wrong there so do correct me if I am Um, but yeah that is us for this week thank you ever so much for watching and listening and as always please do leave us some comments let us know where you're listening from let us know if you enjoy it let us know if you hate Nathan for putting ridiculous footballing god type curses on us. It remains to be seen if the curse is alive and kicking, but we'll certainly know when we record this next week. But yes, again, from me, Nathan, thank you ever so much for watching. And that has been another episode of the Brock List podcast. Bye, 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 bye.